Today, we will be discussing episode four of our series called Get Brainwashed. Last week, you were encouraged to continue to make your list of the mental chatter that's been streaming inside your head all the time, and then to take it a step further and begin to take those thoughts that you've been jotting down and sort them or dump them into the piles that we've been discussing. So far, we've discussed six different categories of mental and emotional clutter that we are calling piles. We've talked about anger and resentment, loss and regret, fear and worry. And you can listen to those episodes again at any time. But today we will add our last category to the pile. And as I mentioned to you before, there are many categories and subcategories of mental and emotional clutter but we're narrowing our discussion down to eight of them. And I have saved the best for last. And by best, I mean the messiest, nastiest, meanest, sneakiest, most malicious and destructive imp that there is in creating mental and emotional clutter. So without further ado, I shall introduce to you the gremlins of guilt and shame. Let's talk about guilt first. I looked up a definition, a couple of definitions for guilt. Uh, Merriam-Webster describes guilt as responsibility for having done something wrong and especially something against the law. That's a little heavy for our purposes. So there was another definition, a feeling of remorse or regret as a result of bad conduct. That's more in line with what we're talking about. Most of us have some type of moral creed by which we try to live, a set of principles or values by which we align our, be our behavior, a set of principles or values by which we gauge our behavior and try to align what we do to match the things that we feel we believe in. So when we do something, that doesn't line up with that moral creed, our internal set of principles, we feel bad about it because we have a conscience and we feel that we've made a mistake somehow. And so we take on a sense of guilt. We feel embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated by our behavior. And so we take on a feeling of guilt about it. And that's okay. It's good to have a conscience because it's a type of check and balance system, an internal way that we can check our behavior and make the adjustments to keep everything in balance. So that's not a problem. So far, so good. But what makes guilt so hard to deal with in the first place is that guilt doesn't come at us with a lie. It comes with the truth. And it's hard to defend against the truth. It's like that horror flick. I saw what you did last summer. I think that's the name of it. I know what you did last summer. Guilt saw what we did. And now it's torturing us with the truth. Guilt says things like, you lied to your friend. You cheated on that exam. 
You stole that money. You betrayed a confidence. We mentioned that fear shouts at us, guilt whispers, and it's a very accusatory tone. And all of these things may be true. You may have no defense against the fact that you did do these things. You did do them. And you don't have a clue about what you can do to fix the problem that your actions or your behavior has caused. So you've got quite a conundrum on your hands. Your inability to resolve this matter opens the door and summons forth the other gremlins who sit on that board of directors of that little itty bitty shitty committee inside your head and the gavel is sounded and the stinking thinking begins. Look what you did. You were raised better than that. Can you imagine what's going to happen when everybody finds out what you did? How are you ever going to show your face in public again? You're going to prison. Your reputation will be destroyed. She'll never forgive you. Nobody's ever going to trust you again. You're finished here. Yeah, we made a mistake. The committee has declared us guilty. And we take on this heavy burden of guilt. We now are riddled with guilt. And riddle really is a very good word to describe the emotion of guilt. Guilt is ridiculous. It's crazy and kind of silly, and don't get me wrong, it's good to have a conscience. It's a necessary thing that helps moderate our behavior. The reason that I say that guilt is ridiculous is because it's not even necessary to take guilt on in the first place. There are things that we can do. There are measures that we can take that will alleviate guilt before it even takes a foothold in our lives and has a chance to start littering up the place with its nasty clutter and accusations. So I suggest that we take time to learn what these remedies are and implement them to alleviate the guilt and you're done with it. We can absolve ourselves from the burden of guilt even people who commit crimes, heinous crimes in our society, serve their time in prison or do community service and then go on with their lives. Their debt to society has been paid. So why do we choose to sit on the sidelines of life because of something that we did that we can take the necessary steps to do and get back on track, get back in the game? <clears throat> Their debt to society has been paid. So why should you sit on the sidelines of life? Because of something that you have done when you can take the necessary steps to get back into the game of life and proceed with your life with a fresh perspective. 
That is why I say that going around riddled with guilt is ridiculous. This is what we can do instead. We can admit that we were wrong. You made the wrong choice. Own it. And then immediately begin to forgive yourself because all humans are imperfect and we make mistakes. We've already talked about this. We are human. This is part of being human. You deserve a chance to get it right. And you can do that by being gentle and compassionate with yourself. If you saw somebody, a friend of yours, make the mistake that you made, wouldn't you be a little kinder and more gentle with them than you are with yourself? Probably. So rather than going around for the rest of your life riddled in guilt about something that you did years ago, let's look at what we can do instead. This is what we can do instead. First of all, we can admit that we made a mistake. When you make the mistake, admit that you were wrong. You made the wrong choice, own it. Begin to forgive yourself. Because remember we said we're all perfectly imperfect? Human beings are imperfect. We make mistakes. And you are human. You deserve a chance to get it right. And you deserve gentleness and compassion as you do that. So let that begin with you. Begin to regard yourself with more compassion. And then take some action steps to correct the problem. There are several things that we can do. We can apologize right on the spot. We can own it and apologize. If we can't do it right then and there, we can do it later. You can arrange to apologize if there's someone else involved that you have offended. If you can't do it face to face, you can write a letter. Maybe deliver it or not. Sometimes the process of just writing it out will absolve you of some of the feelings of guilt. But better yet, pay a face-to-face -face visit and apologize. Have some kind of ceremony. I recall years ago, I had what I call a releasing ceremony. I went to a store and bought some balloons and I took a marker and wrote on each balloon. I release this. I release that. I really and I just wrote several things and then walked out on the pier in Galveston and let those balloons go one by one. And I did it in a very mindful manner. And I did it with real intent that as I released the things that I was letting go of, I wouldn't do it again. I would not repeat that behavior again. And that's the next step. If you're really serious about letting go of guilt, make a promise to yourself not to do that behavior again. Be determined to make the necessary changes in your behavior so that you don't recreate that pain and that humiliation for yourself. Where 
the process of getting rid of guilt is concerned, what helps me is to remember three R's, the three R's of guilt management. And I think I made these up, so you're not going to find them in a book. The first one is ridiculous. Remember the guilt, taking it on and wearing it like some kind of shroud. It's just ridiculous. And do a visual of what that shroud looks like, okay? I mean, all the things that you've done are just quilted on this shroud and you're, it's heavy and you're just dragging along with this thing on. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because number two, R, is that there is a remedy. And three is to get rid of it. So there's ridiculous, remedy, and rid. A big part of getting rid of guilt is being willing to do the work. And everybody's not willing to do it. Everybody's not willing to clean up their mess. So there it is. And this brings us to another aspect of guilt. Some people will choose just not to do any of this. They know that they're complicit in creating the problem, but rather than taking the steps to clean up their mess, they choose to just sit in it like a big baby in a dirty diaper. Baby knows that diaper is stinking, but they just want to keep playing with their toys, with their blocks, and they will fight you to the bitter end to keep from going horizontal to get that diaper changed. Have you ever seen that? There are some babies that would rather just stink up the whole room than get their diaper changed. And when you finally wrestle them to the ground to put a fresh diaper on and they're all nice and clean and fresh again, baby just prances around. Those little fresh legs, just so proud. They knew they were stinking. So don't be like stinky baby. Change. Change your stinking diaper because nobody wants to be exposed to your funky behavior. We're all just too busy with more urgent things to deal with these days. And when we know that our behavior is infringing upon somebody's good day, just clean up your mess and clean it up. And once you get it clean, keep it clean by doing a daily maintenance measure. It's like a mental checklist at the beginning and at the end of every day. Mine begins with waking up in the morning, just opening my eyes and feeling real grateful that something kept this world together overnight, that I'm able to wake my eyes up and my mind is functioning clearly. That just puts me in a real good place of gratitude. And then if there's something that I know I need to work on, and I take one thing at a time, I don't try to tackle all my things at once. Let's just say today, I've been working on honesty, or kindness, or patience, or integrity, or gratitude. Well, you know, I'll ask myself at the end of that day, Was I kind today? It's hard to describe whether or not a person is kind, but it's easier to describe the behavior. Did I lend a helping hand when it was needed? Did I show up with a supportive smile? 
Did I offer to help? Did I offer an embrace or show empathy or comfort if someone needed it? Did my manner of living today and interacting with other people demonstrate kindness? And if that is something that I'm working on, every day I can be very mindful of the opportunities that arise where I can act more in line with the behavior of a kind person. Your maintenance list will be comprised of the personality traits that you aspire to possess, not the things that you feel make you guilty about who you are. You have a vision of the kind of person that you aspire to be, that you want to be. And then you work every day to make the things that you do become more aligned with the person that you want to be. And it's a lifelong work. And that is the path upon which we embark to become the person that we envision ourselves to be. And along the way, we meet the most delightful, curious characters, all moving in the same direction as we are. Which brings me to something else that I want to share with you. Some of you have asked about the letters behind my name. Yes, I am a doctor. I went to college eight years to become a doctor. And yes, I wear a white coat when I see my patients. But I am not a psychiatrist, nor am I a psychologist. Those are not the letters behind my name. Nor am I speaking to you in a professional capacity. I am a fellow traveler on the path with you, just like you, who is seeking to recover bits and pieces of myself that have been lost along the way on this journey that we call life. I'm going to share a story with you that will demonstrate how much on the path I am with you. And it has to do with the three R's of guilt that I just discussed with you. And um, I hope it doesn't take too much time, but I think it's important to share this with you right now. I went to the store last week to get some red lentils. And they were out. The whole lagoon section was empty. And so I spoke with the manager and he said, well, come back later in the week and we should have more beans. It has to do with the supply chain interruption. So sure enough, I bought the lentils that were there, this huge package of beans that was big enough to feed a school. But I bought it because I said, well, maybe they won't get any more and I got to have my doll. You know, so I put the beans in the car and decided to come back later in the week. And I went back later in the week, and sure enough, there were beans stocked on the shelf all nicely. I picked up a package, a couple of packages of red lentils that I normally buy, two one pound bags. And I went to customer service, and the line was very short. And I said to the lady in front of me who had on some blue scrubs, I said, I need to go to my car and get a package to return. Do you think you could remember me for 
uh, a minute or two and hold my place in line. And she said, oh, sure, I can do that. And the guy in front of her said, oh, I remember your yellow sweater. Go ahead. We got you. And I ran to the car, took every bit of two minutes, came back, and the line was long. It was snaking all around the stanchions. People, I don't know where they came from. And so I saw the lady in the blue scrubs, and she said, you're right there. You're right there. She was over to the side filling out some forms. I said, thank you so much. And the guy was leaving. He said, okay, well, see you later. I said, thank you so much. And so the customer service guy said, next. And I proceeded to go to the counter. And the lady that was behind me walked up too. And she kind of did a little number with her shoulder to, to edge me out. But we arrived at the counter at the same time. And the guy didn't know who was next. I said, I was next. And she looked at me and said, really? And I said, yes. And I put my lentils down on the counter. At that point, the lady in the blue scrubs heard the commotion and looked at me and said, no, you're next. You're after me. And I said, are you still in line? She said, yeah, I'm just filling out some paperwork. I said, oh, okay. And I turned to the lady and, I, and the lady that was in line with me. And I said, I am so sorry. I did not realize that you were next in line. I thought I was. Please accept my apology. And I backed into my place in line because she didn't even give me eye contact. Right. So I was a little embarrassed. Everybody saw what happened and it was quiet. You could hear a mouse piss on cotton, as they say. But. I stood there in line and everybody started chatting again. And, you know, so I, I, I stepped forward again and gently tapped the lady on the shoulder. And I said, again, I sincerely apologize to you. I apologize for my behavior. That was rude. But I didn't realize that you were ahead of me. She looked at me and just she just turned her head the next way. You know, she wouldn't even give me eye contact. And so I backed into line, my place in line again. And the lady behind me said, she's not hearing any of that. And I said, well, that's fine. And so, you know, took care of my business and customer service. And, and that was that. Uh, as I left the store, I saw the lady again, but I was not going to approach her again. There was no need to do that. What I did do was made a promise to myself that I would never put myself in that position again because it wasn't worth it. How important is it to be next in line and to slam the be the lentils down on the counter like staking my claim like Ponce de Leon or something like that. It just isn't that important. Not only do I have the luxury of leisure where I can let somebody go ahead if they feel like they need to, it just didn't match up with the kind of person that I want to be. So I'll never do that again. So thank you for listening to all of that. And I shared it to let you know that I've been on this path a long time. And I still, every day, have to recommit to being a better version of myself. And it is a joy to be able to do that. So yeah, we're fellow travelers. 
And the story that I just relayed to you is very relevant to our topic of guilt today because the first thing that happened was I made a mistake. I thought I was next in line. And then I did the three R's. I immediately owned it because it was ridiculous to take on guilt. And there was a remedy not to take on guilt. The remedy was to offer an apology, a genuine apology to that lady and to forgive myself immediately for making a mistake and then to vow not to behave that way again. And that's how you get rid of it. I could hear that committee ramping up. I saw the gavel going down, but I snatched that gavel away from the imp of guilt. And I said, not today, not today. And I took control of that situation where I did not have to take that on because it doesn't take much sometimes for us to start feeling less about ourselves than we need to. And a lot of the things that we add to that quilt of guilt that we wear so ridiculously, we don't even have to. So I wanted to share that with you before we move on to our next topic, which is shame. Shame is guilt all grown up. In fact, many of the guilty issues that we take on, if we don't resolve them over time, can lead to shame. A lot of shame happens early in our lives when we're growing up and really don't have a choice in the matter and have to do with the environment we grow up in and the people that we grow up around. And by the time we are adults, the feeling of being ashamed is so deeply ingrained in us that it's just toxic. And toxic shame is shame on steroids. The main difference between guilt and shame, because as I said before, when we do something, when I did the red lentil thing in the store, when I acted out with those red lentils, I felt ashamed of myself. On that level, the feeling of shame can nudge us in the right direction, making a corrective action in our behavior. But the main difference between guilt and shame is that guilt focuses on the behavior, what you did. I slammed my red lentils on the counter and staked my claim in line. Shame tells me, you're a bully. You're an embarrassment to your community and to your family because you make scenes in public places. Guilt whispers, you lied to your friend. Shame says, you're a liar. Guilt whispers, 
you cheated on that exam. Shame says you're a cheater. Guilt whispers you stole that money. Shame says you're a thief. Guilt whispers you betrayed a confidence. Shame says you're unfaithful. So shame attacks the character of who you are. Guilt focuses on what you did. There's a big difference there. Choose not to do the work. Where guilt and shame are concerned, there are some people who really are unequipped to do it because their problems go way beyond the scope of a, a podcast. They need professional help. They need the care and the assistance of a mental health professional. And there is no shame in getting the help that is needed. And I highly do recommend it. There are some people who feel that they are well within their rights to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, to whomever they want to do it. That is all justifiable in their mind. And, you know, I don't have labels for these people. You hear terms like narcissist, psychopath, that sort of thing. I am speaking to ordinary people who want an extraordinary. I am speaking to ordinary people who are capable of gaining extraordinary vision by doing some work in different areas. And to everyone else who feels that they need more, I say get that more. Contact the mental health facility or individual or support group or whatever you need. There are support groups for everything from nail biting to alcoholism. So get the help that you need. Dealing with shame can be very excruciating, and I really recommend getting professional help if that's something that you know you have a problem with. It's just beyond the scope of my expertise in any area, because shame can cut us down and emerge in very destructive ways to ourselves and to others. Shame is highly linked to addiction and violence, aggression, depression, eating disorders, bullying. It's so crucial that we learn how to deal with our issues of shame and to build healthy barriers against it. Like guilt, I do believe that cutting shame off at the knee is really important. Like I said, snatching that gavel out of the hands of that that committee before it even has a chance to start in. So admitting, you know, being finding the, the the confidence and the courage to admit when we're wrong or to admit our behavior so that it can be brought out into the light and begin to be discussed is very important.
and keeping our humanity in mind at all times that we are capable of making mistakes and we don't need to be perfect and not being so tempted to identify who we are with what we do, whether that's professionally or otherwise, there's a difference between who we are and what we do. And I create a rather large moat between my actions and my character. Just because I make a mistake, I don't assign that as part of who I am. Who I am is who I envision myself to be, and that's who I work towards becoming. So we really have to be careful in identifying who we are by what we do. Because if we fall short of the short of because if we fall short of the mark that we set for ourselves, we can easily take on shame. If you can just admit that a mistake is possible and you made one and then immediately began to go into the three R's, a lot of shame will be avoided because the stinking thinking won't even start. And the last thing that I want to say about it is don't be afraid of those feelings of being embarrassed or humiliated or feeling ashamed because that is, again, our internal um, barometer that keeps us aligned with our moral moral our internal barometer that keeps us aligned with our moral creed. And it is a good thing to set principles and values in our life to live by. There's so much more that we can say about guilt and shame. It's a big topic for most of us. We need to know what her triggers are too. Now with that, I am going to say let's swim back up to the surface. We've spent a lot of time inside the Visionarium today, but I really wanted to get through our last category of mental clutter and emotional clutter so that next week we can begin to talk about the solutions, you know, how to manage these piles that we're making. So let's swim back up. Take a deep breath. I just want to thank you today for tuning in, for listening. It's going to be very important that you focus on your list so that you will have some things to put in the piles next week. And we'll talk about how to manage those piles. As always, if you have any questions or comments or suggestions or just want to say hi, please drop me an email. I also want to say thank you so much to everyone who has sent me a message by email or a comment on the website telling me that you enjoy the podcast, that you're learning from it, and offering your suggestions for upcoming episodes. I appreciate that, and I'll do my very best to incorporate those ideas into future episodes. If you have any comments or questions about this episode, or any ideas for upcoming episodes, please drop me an email to thevisionariumpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at insidethevisionarium.com. Check out the section called After Images to find post-production notes, worksheets, and other resources that relate to today's episode and more. 
As a VP, Visionarium podcast listener, and you are, you can help us grow our community of listeners by inviting a friend to tune in as well. And thank you very much for that.